Outdoor Adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. As a guide and hunter, I've spent thousands of days in the field. This show is about translating my hard-won experiences into tips and tactics that will get you closer to your ultimate goal, success in the field. I'm Remy Warren. This is Cutting the Distance. Well, we made it. 100 weeks of awesome podcast action, as I like to think of it. And it's all really thanks to you. The questions, the comments, mainly the support. I can't believe it's actually been 100 podcasts. I thought this week it might be kind of fun to just mix it up a little bit and tell some of the stories behind the stories, like a behind-the-scenes of Cutting the Distance podcast. Reminisce over maybe a few of my favorite moments, do a little bit of trivia, maybe give something away. And then I'll give you a episode 100 guaranteed tip for success. This will be a tip that will pretty much guarantee you follow these three steps and you can fill any tag. I think, yeah, I think I could guarantee that. I don't know what the rebate would be if it doesn't work out, but I definitely think that I'm up to that challenge. So let's jump into the story of the first time I recorded a Cutting the Distance episode and what was actually going on in the background. I think one of the things that allows me to do this podcast is kind of the format that it's set up as. You may notice that it is pretty much just me talking into the microphone. You're like, well, that's a little bit different, or this this kind of format, you know, you don't maybe don't hear a lot of solo style podcasts, but if you think about it, a lot of things I do are solo, self-filming, solo hunter. Um, man, everyone's probably like, man, this guy Remy is a real loner. And that's not the case. I do enjoy the company of humans. I do love being out in nature more, but my lifestyle is very nomadic. I 
try to live by this principle, be out hunting as much as possible. And so far I've been able to successfully manage that. Now I think that like with guests and other things and, and that kind of idea just wouldn't really fit into that because I'm traveling a lot. I'm gone a lot. Connecting might be difficult. I have very limited service a lot of, a lot of the year, actually, to be honest. Um, so I was like, okay, what's a way that we can kind of make this podcast where I, what I wanted to do is accomplish a few things. I wanted to be able to tell stories and entertain because I, I enjoy the process of telling stories. And I think that's one thing that really makes hunters kind of unique. Like there's, there's stories, but there's something about a hunting story. And so I I was like, I want to be able to share those stories, but also like provide some kind of tips to make people better. I feel very fortunate to follow that lifestyle of be in the field as much as possible. And I feel so fortunate that I was like, I want to be able to share what I learn with other people. So this kind of format came about. But the first episode was um, episode one back in 2019. And it was about a story about missing the biggest buck of my life. But I actually think the better story for the podcast would have been what I was doing while I was recording that first episode. I was actually in New Zealand and I had gotten just gotten done off of a hunt. And I'm... I don't know. I like hunt till the very last minute. It doesn't matter if if you're I'm like, hey, I've got a 10-day hunt and I hunt till like I need to be back. And it was the same deal. So like I had some bad weather toward the end of the trip. And I actually was like, okay, I gotta go out on a tar hunt. I hunt tar as much as possible while I'm there. But I was like, I I need one last tar hunt. I need one more fix before I get home. And I I can't remember how long I was there. That that trip maybe like two or three months. And, um, so I'm like, all right, I'm going to get this last tar trip in. And unfortunately it was like really kind of shit weather and I got rained out and it was kind of a bummer. But, um, anyways, I was like, okay, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking I'm not going to be able to get a hunt in because the weather's so bad. So I'm like sitting at the trailhead, the last place where the road kind of ends and like looking at the river and thinking there's no way I can cross this beast. So I'm just like waiting, camped out in my truck, like through this horrible rainstorm, waiting for the river to go down. So the river finally like starts to go down. I test the waters. I'm like, I think I can make it. So I drive across the river and, um, I park, I end up like being like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go up this one Canyon because the river got, I was like, there's no way I can drive up this river Valley any further. So I I parked my truck and I'm like, all right, I'm just going to hike across and go up this one Valley. And I've got like a day to do it. So I hike across. I actually got swept down the river, uh, completely drenched. And I'm getting out, crawling out. Luckily, I didn't lose any gear. It's like, this is so stupid. I'm going to die. And get to a, there's like a, an old hut. And it's one of these huts that's just like completely overrun with mice and rats. Nobody stays in this hut because it's just gnarly. But I was like, okay, I need a fire. And it had just been raining for three straight days. So I get in there. There's a little bit of wood left in the fire box in the fire in the wood box, like all this old beach and stuff. So I kind of break that up, make a fire, dry all my stuff out, climb up the mountain the next day, shoot a tar, get out of there. And luckily it was like, I got out of there and it just started to like downpour again, flash flood, whatever. So I'm like, Oh man, I'm wet. I've got every like meat and things that I need to process. And I've got a flight that's impending. Like I need to start driving back to Christchurch, back to the airport. So get to town. I'm like, okay, I got to deal with this tar. I got a butcher. Like I got to do all this stuff. I'm like, but I'm a very limited amount of time. And I also of course had to 
send off like it's been months delayed. I was like, I, I got to get this first podcast thing out because I was getting hounded pretty good about like, if we're going to do this, we need to nail this thing down right now. So I'm like, sweet. Okay. So I'm going to do my stuff and record the podcast. So I get a hotel. It was like an airport hotel out of Christchurch. I probably shouldn't say the name of the place because once they hear what was going down, I'll probably never get a hotel room there again. And But I got this place because it, it's the head out of freezer. So I've got like, I'm pretending like, oh yeah, everything's good. But I've got this tar skull and I've got like a bunch of meat that I was going to freeze and take home. But this place had a freezer. So I've got like, I went to the store on the way. I got a bunch of cellophane saran wrap. So I'm like pretty much butchering this tar in a bathroom <laughs> in a hotel. And I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, freeze what I can, take back what I can. And then I was going to give uh, some of it to my friend on the way out who's dropping me off at the airport. So I'm like, sweet. But I was also like, man, I want to take this tar, tar skull home. So I've like got my little jet boil. I've got a little pot in there and I'm like boiling into the bathroom, running the uh, exhaust fan to like suck it out and make sure it doesn't smell. And um, luckily I did. So I did get a, like a pre-boil over the fire. So this was like, it was good, but it, I just, it wasn't good enough. So I'm boiling the pot in there and I'm like, all right, cool. I was like, I got to do this podcasting. So I got all my stuff organized, got everything ready. And um, I finally got that out, but I was like, I need it to dry. I went to the grocery store, got some like, uh, what would it be like blonde platinum hair dye to use the peroxide in it to like bleach it out. So I've got it soaking in this thing. I think I can't even remember. It was probably, I think the, uh, the boil was probably going on while I was recording the first podcast. I'm like, all right. So I'm telling the story of the hunt, doing the thing. And meanwhile, I'm in a hotel room with a skull boiling in the bathroom after just butchering this tar and processing it in the hotel room, kind of like undercover. And that is why these episodes are all solo style because it's, um, it's the life on the road and spending a lot of time in the Hills and then just being able to accommodate and make sure that I can knock out a podcast a week for now, what is a hundred weeks. So that is the kind of the story of the Genesis of Cutting the Distance podcast. I talked about telling, like enjoying to tell stories, and I think there's been a lot of cool stories over the last hundred episodes. I don't know. I think if I had to pick what my favorite story was, um, I don't really know. I think I think that back in episode five, there was a story in there about the elk that wrecked my nap. And we can cue that up and retell that story right now. Because I think that was that was probably one of my favorite stories. And I think one of the cool things that kind of reinforced like um, just this podcast and it inspired me was I actually randomly got, uh, well, not necessarily randomly, but after that story, I got a text message from Joe Rogan, who's obviously like the king of podcasting. He's just like, hey, man, I really loved your podcast this week. That story was awesome. Keep up the good work. Keep going after it. And that was a really encouraging because for me to sit down every week and talk into a microphone and do these podcasts, it, it just to wrap my head around that was kind of like, I don't know if this is something that I want to get into. And that, that kind of encouragement from somebody like him 
was pretty awesome. So I think that kind of story sticks in my mind. It's probably one of my favorite stories and one of my favorite moments like with the podcast. One story that really stands out in my mind. I was guiding in New Mexico and I had one of those weeks that just nothing seemed to be going right. I could tell that bulls were hitting this meadow in the dark, but nothing would make a peep and nothing would come out during daylight hours. I could also tell that the elk were using this particular wallow. I decided, okay, the elk are coming from the timbered area to the west, and this wallow's right on the edge of the timber, and then it enters into a feeding area. I'd yet to see one in daylight hours, but I thought, why don't I create an illusion that there's a herd of elk cows out here and hopefully draw a bull out of the timber where I could tell the tracks were coming in and out of I was assuming that if he's going to go to the herd of elk, he'll probably hit this wallow first. He'll get mudded up, he'll get scented up, and then come in hot trying to impress the gals. So I put him up in a tree stand that I set up over the wallow because I figured, well, even in while I'm calling, he can have a better vantage from the tree stand and might just catch an elk that's cruising to wallow or even drink because it was fairly hot as well. And then I would go a little bit further out and start cow calling. So I started in the morning hitting a few cow calls and I had a whole slew of different cow calls. Everything from diaphragm calls to open read calls as well as some of those squeeze button calls. Might even have like a hoochie mama call and then one of the Carlton, what was it, a button call or they call it something like that in my pockets. Because what I wanted to do is sound like a bunch of different elk at once. So morning starts out. I give my bugles just to make sure there's no bulls around, nothing replying, same as it's been the last few days. So I decided to work in my cow call sequence, hitting some mews, just standard elk talk, mew, 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 going off. A few of those little pocket calls, nothing. All right. But I'm intentionally calling to a bull that I'm assuming is going to come in quiet. I'm trying to call to the lone bull that I'd cut tracks of that I'm hoping is looking for cows. The morning progresses. It's starting to get hot and nothing has shown up. So I'm going to divulge a little secret. This is something I rarely do. I started dozing off in between sets of cow calls because for two reasons. One, I was pretty tired. And two, I just get so impatient. I am not good at sitting there just being patient and calling. Take a little nap. And in, in between falling asleep, I'd wake up, hit a few calls, go back to sleep. That just kept me from overcalling, really. <laughs> so I'm in between call sets. I'm laying there. The sun's hitting me. I'm like, man, there's definitely not going to be any elk right now, but there's really nothing else we can do. So I'll just keep calling. I open my eyes just slightly. I look off as I open my eyes. There is an elk's foot within half an arm's length of my head. I could just literally reach my right arm out and grab this bull. I look up and this bull is directly over me. That elk knew exactly where those calls were coming from. He had pinpointed the exact location where I was calling from, yet had walked right to me. Now, the trouble is, I've never had this happen, 
and I have a bull. His head is literally right above my head. I'm worried that he's going to freak out and start stomping on me. I do not want him to see my eyeballs. So I'm just squinting and partially freaking out, thinking that he is at any second going to realize something's wrong and stomp me. When I woke up, I must have rustled a little bit because he kind of tilted his head down. So he's got his head down and I can see his eyeball maybe three feet from my face. And he's got his head down and his eye, he cocked his head sideways so he could look at me better. And I can just see his eye sort of bulging out of his head and he's moving back and forth trying to figure out what the hell is at his feet. At this point, I'm literally just praying this thing does not smash me. And trying to move, not move at all. I do not want to open my eyes. I'm just squinting. He probably felt or heard my heart beating out of my chest. He got a little antsy and trotted off, like spun around again, looked back where I was. I just continued to lay there until he moved off. Once he got out of sight, I let a few more cow calls out, snuck around, grabbed my hunter from the tree stand. I was like, dude, this big six-point bull was just right here. At that point, I didn't tell him that I was asleep, of course. <laughs> but So he comes down. We work. Luckily, the wind was good. I get him. We work into the wind, set up again, continue to call. This time, he actually kind of button hooks around just out of range of myself and the hunter. You say 55 yards, circles around, catches our wind, and blows out. Now, while we did not get that bull... It taught me two really good lessons, one in patience and one in the fact that those elk know exactly where you're calling from. And that is going to play huge into the way that I set up my calling sequences for lone bulls. Now, a funny story behind the stories, that wasn't the only animal that wrecked my nap. On that trip, I had a couple of days off and I was like, even on my days off, I would just go out scout and whatever. So I went up to this big meadow. It was kind of like right on the border of the, this area that we were able to hunt. And there's like this, this big, like timbered face. And there just happened to be this one bull that always would hang out in this meadow. So I was like, okay, I'm going to see if I can just get eyes on him. And kind of pattern him so when the hunt starts, I can bring a guy in here and know if it's like, hey, this, this elk's using this, or what time of day, or what's going on. So I glassed in the morning, didn't see anything, and the you know, sun comes up. And I'm not the type of person that takes naps, but <laughs> here's two nap stories back to back. These are like the two naps that I've taken in my life. And this is probably why I, I avert to not taking naps. Um, so I'm sitting there, and it's like nothing's going on. I'm eating those like cheese peanut butter crackers. You know, whatever they are. I don't, who makes those? We need to figure this out. It sounds like a disgusting combination. It's cheese and peanut butter, but man, they're awesome. And I, I think that these ones are probably from 1970 and they're still good to eat. I've got, I've pulled those cheese crackers out of my pack that I don't even know what era they're from, but uh, they, they still taste like they do. I would imagine fresh. I don't know if I ever had them fresh. So I'm eating these, my favorite cheese peanut butter crackers. I'm like laying there and sun hits me. It's like, okay, cool. I start to doze off. And then I feel something in my crotch area. And I'm like, okay, what is going on? <laughs> and I slowly open my eyes. 
and there's a chipmunk and it's digging in between somehow. Well, clearly when I was eating the crumbs from the crackers had fallen into like my lap and probably got behind the zipper. So this chipmunk is trying to get into my zipper and like digging around for the crumbs from the crackers. I look at that chipmunk and my eyes are open and I'm looking at it and some, it noticed that now whatever it was digging at is not a log. It is alive. And that chipmunk, I swear to you, I was like staring in its eyes. I swear its eyes got like three times the size goes ee! and just jumps off a million miles an hour. And from that moment on, I went back to hunting camp, told everyone the story. And I, my big joke was my big punchline to the story of the day was, yeah, that chipmunk was trying to get steal me nuts. <laughs> so um, that's my napping story after the napping story. I had two pretty good napping stories in camp that season. One was a nut-stealing chipmunk, and then the other one was the elk that got a little too close. If you ask me, you've listened to all 100 episodes, you're like, if there was one thing you learn from all these podcasts or one mantra that sticks in your head, I think it's this. It's go the best way, not the easy way. You might remember that from episode 15. And what that is is just kind of planning your stock. When it comes to planning your stock, always thinking, go the best way, not the easy way. That's something that I say on every hunt, on every stock. Every time I look at a mountain, I want to be successful. And in order to be successful, I need to do things the best way, not the easy way. Now, when I say go the best way, not the easy way, What's that even mean? When you're thinking about a potential stock, there's always these little outs, little ways to go a direction that will probably get you there, but something's just a little bit wrong. The best way is the way with the least amount of possible ways to get busted, okay? So if you have all your options laid out on the table right in front of you, you have to pick the option that has the least potential to send that animal running, and that oftentimes, I've found statistically over the years, the best way is often the most physical or longest way possible. It's the way that kind of seems in your mind, I don't really feel like doing that. That's because there's an element in choosing the best route, not based on what's the easiest. You have to pick it based on what is the most likely to get you in position without hitting the three get busted factors. Those three get busted factors are the wind, being spotted, and being heard. Those are the three things that you need to take into account when planning your stock. And then you pick the option that always lends you to get within range without the deer ever potentially being aware of your presence. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time, Seafoam Motor Treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that Seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, Seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who has used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. People everywhere rely on seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way that they should the entire season. 
Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. You ever get that feeling you're stuck inside staring at screens and a primal urge kicks in? You crave wide open spaces, fresh air, the chance to connect with the land? Well, maybe it's time to find your own piece of the wild, but searching for property can be a maze. That's where land.com comes in. They got millions of listings across the country, from mountain ranches to hidden fishing holes. Their search tools are like a seasoned guide helping you narrow down what you want. Land.com isn't just about buying and selling. It's about finding a place to hunt, fish, explore, or simply sit by a campfire and listen to the crickets. So head over to land.com today to turn one day into today because trust me there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth now while a lot of the podcasts are set up in the way with the storytelling and the tips and tactics i think some of my favorite episodes are actually the q a's because it's a great way to really answer the questions of other people and i think that i actually enjoy i have fun with those q a's I actually kind of wish that there was a way that I could do a more live Q&A style uh, podcast because I really enjoy that on my feet thinking and that's just when, you know, that that knowledge just comes out and it's a, it's a quick way to answer a question and probably answer a lot of people quite, a lot of people's questions on certain tips and tactics. Uh, if if you were to kind of my favorite topics or generally maybe you can decipher this out of my excitement level of talking about it. I could talk about elk and I can talk about archery hunting. I could probably just have a weekly podcast on just one of those topics, but there's so many other things that I love. I got to include all those in as well. Um, but I think one of uh, a, a great question, you know, I, I don't think there's been a bad question that I've answered. A lot of great questions, but one that kind of sticks in my head and one that I think I get asked a lot is about people going out on an elk hunt and how to get away from people and general area tags. So episode 52, there's a great question relating to elk hunting in heavily timbered areas. Let's check it out. All right. Cody says, Hey, Remy, can't thank you enough for the information and education you provide to all of us. I've learned a ton. I have a question for you on upcoming elk podcasts. I didn't draw a tag in New Mexico, my home state. So Buddy and myself are going over the counter in Southern Colorado. Do you have any tips or tricks for finding elk in what I'm sure will be some packed units? Thanks again. That's a great question because a lot of the hunts that I do myself are in what I would also consider packed units areas that you can just get a tag and and go 
I would say like my plan is to always get away from hunters, but that doesn't necessarily always mean go the furthest into the backcountry. So what that generally means is find a place that other people are ignoring. You might get there and there might be 20 cars at one trailhead. And you know that, okay, once I get up this trail, that's the only place to hunt up there. I would probably avoid that. But also there's probably going to be thousands of vehicles driving the roads. So what you're trying to do is pinpoint spots that are far enough off where guys that are driving the roads can't see it or won't hunt it. And then places that maybe aren't necessarily that iconic backcountry that already has a trailhead that's attracting other people. I mentioned it earlier already in the Q&A, but finding those like spots that you got to bushwhack into that take a little bit extra energy to either get in or get out and pinpointing those spots. Now, obviously, like I love to, the first place I'm going to look is those backcountry areas, but sometimes those type of places actually get hunted a lot. And that may not be the best spot for you. And also, you know, stay away from the roads where people are just going to, there's a large majority of the people that will have those tags that will never kill an elk. And they're just going to keep driving the roads and maybe 0.01% will shoot one, but they're just cruising those roads, looking from those roads. So you're just trying to find that place that other people aren't. Another thing I like to hunt in really heavily hunted areas is places that I call a hole where if I kill something, I have to carry the elk uphill back out. That really deters a lot of people from hunting that. So if you can find those holes, those pockets, or even just getting further and deeper into the backcountry is a great way, just anywhere you can get away from people. Now, the other option is if you know that area well enough, now this might not be particularly for Cody's instance, but if you hunt an area a lot, understanding the escape routes and like where elk like to travel and then using pressure to your advantage. There's been many times where... I get into a position knowing that, okay, the elk are going to get bumped here. You know, most of the opening days that I hunt are elk that have been pushed by someone else because I know this is where the elk traveled. This is where they're moving through. This is the highest likelihood of these elk coming through here and then setting up and using other people to your advantage, getting into those positions where you're, you're kind of capitalizing on a known behavior that elk will be running around on this particular day. And that generally is an opening day in a general area. Well, as promised, I always have to give a, a good tip before just to make this, maybe, maybe you're the type of person that wants those absolute tips to be more successful in the field. Then episode 100 will not let you down because I am, this is my three-step guaranteed success in the field. I tell this to all my clients. And as like, if you were hunting with me this week, I would take you out and I would essentially tell you our plan. And it's going to be these three steps. And then we would go through these three steps and we'd be successful. Step one, find the animal. Step two, shoot the animal. Step three, pack the animal back to the truck. That's it. That any hunt you go on, doesn't matter where you're at. If you follow those three steps, that's the three keys to hunting. That's all you have to do. Now, sometimes the gap between step one and step two can be pretty large. And sometimes the, the difficulty level between step two and step three can be daunting, but it's all about those. It's really just to be the two steps, find the animal, shoot the animal, pack the animal back to the truck. Now, if you fail at step one, then you just restart step one, find the animal. Now, if you fail at step two, maybe you miss the shot, then it's back to step one, find the animal, and then go back to step two, 
shoot the animal. Basic, simple, follow those three tips. You'll be successful on any hunt. I hope that was the tip you're looking for. Don't forget you heard it here first on Cutting the Distance podcast. Well, that about concludes our episode 100. I, as always, I'm super appreciative of everybody that's really supported the podcast over the last 100 weeks. I know a lot of you have listened to every episode. There's many of you that have actually listened to every episode multiple times um, or some of the episodes multiple times. I thank you guys so much for all the subscribing, commenting, rating. Uh, that just that means a lot to me because the reason I do this is is really be- not for me. I mean, I don't know if I uh, people might not really understand this, but I'm kind of like the most extroverted introvert out there. Um, I just kind of feel like I really enjoy being able to help people out when it comes to hunting because it's something that I love so much, and I hope that that passion really translates through what I do. And the reason that I do it is because. The reason I continue to do this podcast is because people enjoy it and I think that it helps a lot of people. I get so many awesome success photos, stories, other things. So I'm just very appreciative of that. And that's the reason that I've continued on for 100 episodes. Um, I figure we might as well do, let's see, let's test your knowledge. If you are a true cutting the distance aficionado, let's see, this is, I'll give you the answers after this too, or, you know, it's not like this isn't how you win a prize, but Let's just test your knowledge here. So, you know, it's actually funny because I can't remember what I say in a lot of the episodes. Um, so I don't even know if I repeat myself or not. I try not to. Some some weeks I have to go back and, and see. But here, here, let's start off with this question. You know, the, it's set up with a format that is generally solo. And I say generally because there have been two other individual voices on this podcast. Can you name the two people that have appeared in in cutting the distance outside of myself cue the uh, jeopardy music i don't know if this is copyrighted maybe i could just do 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 i'm not gonna win any like humming <laughs> contest the answer is ben o'brien early on he read the q a's and then i had a special guest lecturer in the archery series which um I think, what was that, episode 76 or something it started, the four-part archery, yep, 76 to 78, getting into archery hunting, and I had my good friend and fellow solo hunter Tim Burnett as a guest lecturer, and those have been the only two cutting-the-distance guests. Um, So if you got that right, kudos to you. Let me know. I mean, honor system. I'm just curious how many people got that question you can always reach out social media at remy warren um yeah and then uh one thing that i do like i said i i do really enjoy doing the the q a's and i there's going to be an opportunity to do a live q a with me friday july 16th it'll be in my hometown of reno nevada for the pope and young convention so i'm going to be doing uh instead of a seminar just more of a two back-to-back q a's on friday afternoon and if you want to join in on that, that'd be awesome because you'll be able, hopefully, I, I mean, I don't know if I'll be able to get to everyone's questions, but I will answer a few questions. I will also have uh, some swag toss, some probably try to get some things to give away. Um, so that'll be cool. And if I can, uh, I'm going to try to record it. So those might be, I might have some other voices on Cutting the Distance podcast in the near future if I can figure out how to record that. 
so that's Friday, June 16th. And if you want, if you're going for the day, you can use my name, Warren2021, and get a half-off day pass. That's just something I kind of worked out for um, people to listen to the podcast. Use it if you want. And, yeah, I was speaking of Swag Toss. We've got a couple items to give away. I've got a new line of Live Wild t-shirts, my own shirts. So um, they're pretty cool. They're I like them. <laughs> it's like some designs that I worked on with some guys and uh, got those going. So I will be giving away I'll, – I'll give away one of each one that I have left in stock by the time this goes. So I'll try to save a couple, hopefully – I've definitely got some in the large size, but if you're a random size and they're already sold out, then we'll just swap it out for something else. I'm sure I've got something cool we can mutually agree on. Um, but just as a thank you to the people that listen, and I don't know, like there's no way to actually do it on here. And um, so I'll just figure, go on to my, um, I was doing it on Instagram, but then they got way too many people. So I think it's just better to reward the people that listen to the podcast. So go to my uh, YouTube page, my Remy Warren channel, YouTube channel, find that, find the most recent video and leave a comment that mentions something about the podcast or the number 100. And, uh, in the next, within the next week, I will randomly pick someone from that. And if you guys want, feel free to subscribe to the, my YouTube channel. I I let it go dormant for a while, but I've got a ton of awesome, really good content, how to stuff. Uh, some of the stuff that needs to be more visual, will be on there. So feel free to subscribe to that. And then, yeah, thank you. Oh, so finally, we're going to settle this thing. Loyal listeners of the show know that since podcast one, I've been working on a sign-off. So we're going to settle that once and for all. One sign-off to rule them all. What I did was, now this is genius. I went back and I tallied up the totals uh, of different things that I've tried and what people responded to the best. It'd be like, I liked that part, you know, maybe went back through messages, people commenting on things saying, Oh, I liked this one. I didn't like that. One. I liked this one. So over the past 100 weeks, I tallied them up and I've just kind of come up with a hybrid of the greatest hits of cutting the distance sign offs, which will be the sign off of all sign offs. Here it goes. Keep cutting the distance, you filthy animals. Adios. Until next week, aim small, miss small. Now get close and stay frosty. Peace. Was that it? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, we'll just do that every time. So, in other words, keep cutting the distance, you filthy animals. Adios. Until next week, aim small, miss small. Now get close and stay frosty. Peace. Really got to emphasize the peace, I think. I think that's how it's supposed to be. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on Seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. Market House has the cleanest, leanest, juiciest meat and seafood shipped to your home overnight. 
Expect the service of a local butcher and the convenience of a large supplier. Unlike many online butchers, you can grab just one meal's worth or lock in for a subscription box. Choose from grass-fed and grass-finished beef, American Wagyu, free-range poultry, grass-fed lamb, wild-caught king crab, seafood, and more. For 15% off your first order, use code COUNTRY at checkout. Just visit markethouse.com. That's M-A-R-K-E-T-H-O-U-S-E dot com. And use the code COUNTRY. 